2: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
3: Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com acast. That's 15% off at burrow.com ACAST.
2: Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. Only at Sleep Number Stores or sleepnumber.com. An Erio's original.
4: I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst-case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. everyone. Thanks for tuning into The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today, we're discussing the Jallianwala Wallabag Massacre. Here's what you need to know. It all begins with spice. In the 1600s, the British East India Company set up trading posts in India to establish a hold on India's lucrative spice trade. By 1757, the Mughal Empire collapsed and the private company established a full rule of the Indian subcontinent. A century later, in 1858, a major rebellion against the British East India Company led to the British Crown assuming control of India, a period known as the British Raj. During World War I, economic challenges increased for Indians, and resentment toward their imperialist rulers grew. Treated like second-class citizens in their own country, Indians were barred from top posts in the Indian civil service, they were paid less than Europeans, and they experienced religious prejudice for practicing Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, and Sikhism. In 1915, a man named Mahatma Gandhi returned to his homeland of India after spending 21 years in South Africa developing his methods of civil rights protests and peaceful resistance against colonial powers. Sensing a rise in nationalism, the British Raj passed the Rowlatt Act, a law allowing police to arrest anyone for any reason, with no warrants needed. It also called for stricter control of the press, indefinite detention without trial, and juryless trials for political acts. Gandhi published an article called Satyagrahi, which outlined ways to oppose the draconian act. The British government responded by prohibiting Gandhi from entering Punjab with orders to arrest him if he disobeyed. As Gandhi's following and movement grew, the British army began preparing for a revolt. On April 11, 1919, an English missionary named Marcella Sherwood was on her way to school when an angry mob violently attacked her. She was rescued by some local Indians, including the father of one of her students but the ambush horrified the British. General Dyer issued what was called a crawling order, requiring every Indian man who used the street where Marcella was attacked to crawl on his hands and knees as punishment. Colonel Dyer explained, quote, "...some Indians crawl face downwards in front of their gods. I wanted them to know that a British woman is as sacred as a Hindu god and therefore they have to crawl in front of her too." He authorized public whippings of any Indian who walked too close to a police officer. Outrage spread throughout Punjab as railway lines were destroyed, government buildings were set on fire, and three Europeans were killed. On April 12th, a public protest was planned for the following day. Residents of Amritsar planned to gather in a garden called Wallabag to protest the arrest of two popular leaders of the Indian independence movement, Satya Pal and Saifuddin Kichlu. This peaceful protest also coincided with Vaisakhi, an important date in the Sikh calendar that is celebrated as a religious commemoration of the birth of Sikhism, as well as a celebration of the Sikh New Year and Harvest Festival. Colonel Dyer sent a proclamation the morning of the protest forbidding all gatherings and meetings, but it was not announced widely and was made only in English. Unaware of the martial law that had been quietly imposed, thousands of peaceful protesters and Sikh worshippers gathered in Wallabag, along with farmers, traders, and merchants who had spent the day at the nearby Harvest Festival. Colonel Dyer arrived with his troops, but he took no measure to prevent the gathering or warn residents to disperse. Instead, he commanded his troops to, quote, "...fire till the ammunition is exhausted." Surrounded by walls and with only one exit, the Jalian Wallabog erupted into chaos as soldiers fired hundreds of rounds into a screaming mass of people struggling to escape the slaughter, stopped by more armed soldiers guarding the main entrance. Hundreds of unarmed men, women, elderly, and children bled as Dyer's men continued shooting, only stopping when their ammunition was exhausted. Fun Facts, aka Death Stats. Sikhism is an Indian religion and philosophy that originated in the Punjab region of the Indian subcontinent. It is the fifth largest religion worldwide. Around 50 British Indian Army soldiers opened fire on an estimated 10,000 to 20,000 mostly unarmed men, but also women and children. The firing continued for 10 to 15 minutes, and 1,650 rounds were fired. The firing ceased only after the ammunition had run out. The total number of casualties has been disputed for over a century. Initially, the British media erroneously reported 200 dead. A board in the precincts of the Jalian Wallabag later put the official death toll at 379 and around 1,500 injured, although other reports suggest a much higher estimate of martyrs. In 1940, Michael O'Dwyer, the lieutenant governor of Punjab at the time of the massacre, was assassinated by a Sikh revolutionary, Udam Singh, who had been injured at Amritsar. The last known survivor of the Wallabog Massacre, Shingara Singh, died in 2009 at the age of 113. With us today, we have producer Amanda Lund. Happy to be here. Hello, Alarmy. Fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. And our very special guest today is Sarah Lane. Hi, Sarah.
5: Hello, everybody. Glad to be here.
4: Sarah is the co-host of the popular Daily Tech News Show podcast, and we actually had... Uh, your co-host Tom on
5: last week. So we're very happy to have you on this week. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to be here. Tom had a good time. So (laughs) we'll we'll (laughs) see what we get into.
4: (laughs) Now, could you please
5: remind our listeners uh, a little bit about your show? Yeah. So Daily Tech News Show, (laughs) I always tell people it's exactly what it sounds like. It is a daily (laughs) news show about technology. It's a live show, although it's also a podcast. So you can listen or watch us live or whenever you'd like. Um, we've got a great audience that has followed. Tom and I have worked together over the years uh, in various capacities. We both come from television originally. And uh, we just can't stop talking about technology. Every time I think I'm out, <laughs> technology pulls me back in. So, yeah, we've been doing it for uh, for. Um, – I've been with the show for just over five years now. Wow. I know. and hard to believe. I, You
4: know? Technology just doesn't stop, does it? It really doesn't. It's the daily grind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sarah, we like to start off the show by asking our guests, what is something that's recently alarming you? What's something that's keeping you up at night?
5: Recently alarming me, keeping me up at night. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, maybe chat GPT. You're going to have to explain. If you don't know what that is, uh, in in the tech world, uh, speaking of not being able to get away from things, the idea of chatbots and AI being able to replicate human behavior, um, not robots walking around trying to kill everybody, uh, but but, uh, AI that are built from various uh, algorithms that can replicate what we as humans do. Uh, whether wow. it is a podcaster like myself, um, or a student uh, trying to get an A on a test type thing, um, mm-hmm. I don't know how terrified I am of it yet, but it keeps me up at night. I I, I didn't know I
6: should be afraid of this. Yeah, have, this have you been reading up on it at all, Chris? You have.
7: I have a little bit. Oh. I've seen I've seen some of this stuff, and correct me if I'm wrong. You can. You can ask it to answer questions in in different kinds of styles and ways, right? Like you can say, in, in, you can say, like, answer this, uh, or, or summarize the Jolly and Wallabog massacre in the style of like, uh, Shakespeare or something like that, right? Exactly,
5: exactly. And that's, that's what, uh, people sort of love and are also simultaneously freaked out about because inputting a question into, I don't know, Google search, if we all do the same question, we get the same, uh, you know, variety of search results, right? Um, And this is, it's not going to be the same because it depends on how you want it to act. And that's awesome. And at the same time, it's like, hmm, We're starting to bleed into a gray area here where, uh, you know, we all need to kind of figure out what we're doing with this, uh, why it's going to be used for good and how it should not be used for uh, malice yes
7: amanda have you tried it you sound no, like you no. know about it
6: but no but all i know is one night my husband didn't sleep at all because he was having a very intimate conversation with william shakespeare <laughs>
7: no.
6: uh yeah and i then i we should just ask it like describe this disaster as rebecca delgado smith and then you wouldn't even have to read the intros that's a great that's a good that's a good use. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, that
4: that would be using it for good. File that under. (laughs)
7: Yeah, good. As opposed to evil, I guess.
4: Yeah, well, let's um, start putting things up on the board. And I think that we should start off by putting World War One up on the board. Now, this is according to Discover Sikhism. During World War I, British India contributed to the British war effort by providing men and resources. About 1.25 million Indian soldiers and laborers served in Europe, Africa, and the Middle East, while both the Indian administration and the princes sent large supplies of food, money, and ammunition. In the aftermath of World War I, high casualty rates, increasing inflation, compounded by heavy taxation— The deadly 1918 flu pandemic and the disruption of trade during the war escalated human suffering in India. The costs of the the protracted war in both money and manpower were great. In India, long the the jewel in the crown of the British Empire, Indians were restless for independence. More than 43,000 Indian soldiers had died fighting for Britain. Uh, This is from the National. The Punjab at the time was seething with discontent following the sacrifices made in the First World War. Of the million soldiers that fought for Britain, about 450,000 came from the Punjab. The passage of the Rowlett Act a month earlier, allowing for indefinite detention and incarceration without trial, had exacerbated the situation. One of the reasons that resentment to the rowlatt Act was so strong in Punjab was that there was a feeling that after all the sacrifices the Punjab made, there would be some reward of relaxation, said Mr. Surrey, grandson to one of the massacre survivors. So they had been very compliant. They had served in, in World War I and... Um, had participated as as the the British had wanted them to. uh, And they were hoping that when once this was all over, they would have some kind of reprieve from these.
7: How about a thank you difficult?
4: (laughs) Yeah, but seriously, like, some kind of appreciation, you know, like, hey, you guys were our allies. And, you know, let's, why don't we uh, loosen some of the restrictions here?
5: I mean, it doesn't but even really. I don't happen. even know if you'd say that they were allies. They kind of had to do it, right?
4: Maybe you're right, Sarah. Maybe yeah, it was imp- just like you know they have to go to war, and but maybe they put on like a, a a good face. There were good sports about it, I guess.
7: Yeah, I mean, imperial rule, I guess, has that effect on you. Where it's like, uh, I better do this right. Uh, I, what what other option do I have? These are these people are controlling our 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 way of life. I guess.
5: Well, I mean, I think of, okay, uh, if the entire subcontinent was under British rule for quite some time before this, uh, okay, let's say that that sort of thing happened and the US was under control of some other um, imperialist country. Can't (laughs) Mm -hmm. even think of which one that would be right now. But uh, yeah, I probably would not want to go to war, but if I'm controlled by... A variety of uh, people in positions of power a- above me um, mm-hmm. and treated like, sounds like, second-class citizen, I don't know what choice I have. It's a good point.
7: Yeah, so do you just blame the war in general or can we put up some of those big ideas like just imperialism or European um, or just British British? Cause these Brits, man, they had a big old empire, a big old, mm-hmm. unwieldy empire, right? For a long time. Tried to hold on to it. And of course, the jewel in the crown was India. So is this bad management from British's POV? I mean, if we lift out like if we put imperialism on the board writ large, mm-hmm. what else what else can we can we kind of parse from that?
6: Well, how about not treating your veterans well? <laughs> If we're yeah. getting into broad issues, well, yeah, and specific to World War
4: One, um, yeah, or not, not treating your people well, just in general, can we blame um, can
5: we blame spices at all here? Of course, because everybody <laughs> likes spices, and that's how yeah. this whole thing all started way back in the 1600s, right. if I'm correct. Listen, mm-hmm. I love spice, love a good chai. Uh, but uh yeah to say mm, you know what we're just going to go ahead and control all of this uh as a private company and then we're going to go ahead and and uh and just give this country uh uh over to the british and they'll just figure it out these things usually don't end well
7: <laughs> the the that's good i also we could also blame uh bland food because without yeah. bland food <laughs> That's probably, probably British better, cuisine. that's the better we thing to
5: plan. <laughs> spice didn't do anything wrong here. Everybody loves spice. Yeah.
7: <laughs> but it was just the, the, the fact that it was so easy uh, to ship and so cheap to ship mm-hmm. and so delicious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that was what made the British East India Company so valuable, right? And that's what eventually sort of led to the British takeover.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, we're kind of circling around this as well. So why don't we put up uh, the British Raj up on the board? This is Fian Prakash wrote uh, in the New York Times. The unrest was of particular concern to the British because Punjab was a vital economic and military asset. They had invested heavily in canal irrigation to turn the province into a food basket for the empire. The colonial army recruited heavily in the region regarding the Sikhs as a martial race. General Dyer's very British determination to teach the colonized population a lesson was rooted in the memories of the Great Rebellion of 1857, when Indian rebels revolted against the East India Company, killed several Europeans, and brought the company to its knees in much of northern India. The fear of insurgency kept alive by the memories of, quote, native treachery in 1857 had made violence and laws of exception part of the colonial government's arsenal of rule. General Dyer's actions stemmed from this, a fact that the British could not officially acknowledge. Much of the colonial bureaucracy shared their views. The conservative press in London hailed him as a hero upon his return home. Mm. So this was an important area in India, and everyone, the British were very scared that the Indians were going to turn on them, and I'm trying to like what what is the what is the um the colloquial or the the current equation? Um, it's like if you're ruling, if you're a manager or something, and your employees are it's not even this, it's not even a man, it's not even a a work. You can't even compare it to work. Let her find it. No one step in. Let her her find it. (laughs) You can't compare it to work. It's like you just show up in someone's neighborhood and you just take over all of the houses.
5: (laughs) Twitter? Okay. Okay. (laughs) I mean, okay, it's a little bit of a stretch. Uh, Again, you know, I'm always going to like... Sort of, you know, go the tech route. But yeah, I mean, Twitter was taken over by a new owner who is now CEO. We know who we're talking about. (laughs) And uh, things have changed in under six months uh, in quite dramatic ways. And a lot of people who, and I believe they're all people, they're not AI quite yet. Well, actually, that's not true. Some uh, Twitter employees, you could say, are actually AI and not humans. Most humans are, uh, you know, there's been some revolting, revolting happening. From within,
4: revolt exactly. But I guess my point is, like, if you're always living in fear that your people are going to revolt against you, don't you? Shouldn't you question, like, what you're doing? Why are they so
6: angry? Why do they want to revolt? There's a lack of, like, looking internally, right? I think it ties into something that I think you might have on your list here, which is British Mm. exceptionalism—the fact that they think they have a right and for whatever reason, are inherently meant to rule other people, that they think it's part of their destiny to have to control people who aren't as important as them in their minds, right? Yes. I think we should put that up on the board. That's a good one. Um, I was going to read,
4: this is from The Guardian. If we can't be honest about Britain and India 100 years ago, then how can we be honest about how we view Britain in the future? As Raj Kohli, a descendant of of a survivor. This is from Britannica. The typical attitude of British officials who went to India during that period was, as the English writer Rudyard Kipling put it, to, quote, take up the white man's burden. By and large, throughout the interlude of their Indian service to the crown, Britons lived as super bureaucrats. Puka sahibs, remaining as aloof as possible from native contamination in their private clubs and well-guarded military cantonments called camps, which were constructed beyond the walls of the old crowded native cities in that era. So they didn't mingle. They were kind of secluded in their
6: own little worlds, Mm -hmm. which probably resulted in them being like also totally out of touch to how you know, disgruntled the Indian people may have been and like their yes. desire for freedom. And, you know, they were probably like almost a Marie Antoinette situation where they thought, oh, they're fine.
7: Completely. And also it sort of reminds me of the the Spanish and what they tried to do over in uh, when they came over to America and they found all the native population. They, they considered themselves to be... Um, you know of b- because they knew about religion and they had uh, a certain way of life they considered themselves to be of a different like species altogether from uh the native people who who were already on the land so there's like a fundamental lack of humanity and maybe we can put that maybe that's part of it on the board as just a and you know exceptionalism is is a is pretty much the same thing we might wrap it into it but yeah that, to I, me, is what what's could be at play as well.
6: And I know we're going to get there, but I just have to say, why is Colonel Dyer such a, like, is he a sadist? Because he also, according to your description, like, went above and beyond to squash this little, uh, like, this protest. Why was he such a fucking asshole? Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the way they describe him is wanting to... Um, which we're going to put him up on the board right now, uh, but wanting to teach them a lesson. It's disgusting. Horrible. This is from uh, Jolly and Wallabog Massacre, the first wave of mass struggle and its aftermath by Irfan Habib. The Punjab administration was then headed by Sir Michael O'Dwyer, a lieutenant governor of the province, already bearing a reputation of tyranny and extortion. The killing of Europeans at Amritsar provoked him to hand over the city to the army under Brigadier General Dyer. Dyer immediately began arresting suspects and in in order to punish the citizenry, cut off electricity and water supply. He also banned any procession and gathering. Whether this prohibition was publicly announced in a proper manner is not known. While the meeting was being addressed by speakers, General Dyer himself arrived with a contingent of armed troops. He immediately, without any warning, ordered his men to open fire and continued to order them to do so while the crowd, dispersing desperately, made attempts to escape. This is from Indian Culture. The following extract from the Hunter Commission shows Dyer's unapologetic attitude towards the massacre. The Hunter Commission asked, After firing took place, did you take any measures to attend to the wounded? Colonel Dyer said, no, certainly not. It was not my job. Hospitals were open and they should have gone there. <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, when you open fire on a large uh, mass of people, uh, one would wonder why then you would help them get to a hospital. Uh, but uh, <laughs> one also wonders how they would get there themselves.
7: <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, baffling
4: it's it's so cruel i mean that's all you need to know about him in my opinion it's like okay so you are a cruel um just a cruel human being
7: yeah and this guy is in charge of keeping order and and carrying out the laws like if that person turns on you that's got to be the scariest thing most horrific thing in the world, right? If and these... doesn't it
6: seem to you guys like he wanted this to happen? It was almost by design as a way to, like, as an example, like don't, mm, don't even yeah. try to peacefully get together because look at what I'm gonna do and what I'm capable of. And that could be part of the reason why the the rules weren't properly announced. They totally. think that he he was he wanted a massacre. There's something sick there, right? Because
4: he. And and I wanted to put this up as well because he put the this this ban right. He he he's he made this ban where the the Punjab was under martial law mm-hmm. and all public gatherings and meetings were
7: were banned. Anybody over four, a group of over four yes. people couldn't yes. gather.
4: So, but but he didn't make this ban clear to the public. It was written in English. It, the borders were placed in neighborhoods that were predominantly, uh, British. And then on top of it, it's the day of this, uh, festival, this harp, the spring harvest. Everyone is out, you know, whether they're celebrating or gathering for political reasons or for just, um, social reasons Mm -hmm. and, to just not make it clear that this is happening, to not give people warning is sick. Like you said, it's it's almost, Amanda, like he wanted it to happen this way.
6: Yeah, and he didn't want to massacre white people. That's why it was in English. Right. And hung up in their little clubs or whatever.
5: Right. Yeah, and you would you would assume that uh, Europeans um, who were in the state of Punjab probably not celebrating the sick new year. Probably not. Right. You know, so if you say, well, <laughs> we told you you couldn't do that. You just couldn't read the signs and they weren't in your neighborhood anyway. And we don't care about, um, you know, y- your, uh, uh, things that are important to you for religious reasons. Um, you know, there was a harvest festival, as you mentioned as well. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty terrible. Uh, sort of, sort of, sort of covering your bases, I guess. If anyone, you know, Right. Ba- back in the UK is like, well, tell us what happened exactly. It's like, hey, I told them they did it anyway. And so we opened fire. Right. So let's put up that. I-, I called it an information vacuum.
7: Okay. But
4: it, it, it doesn't really um, encapsulate the sinister aspect of, of what I feel happened there.
6: It's like right. purposefully withholding information. Or I liked, you know, I did like what um, Sarah just said that he was covering his bases as oh. a way to have like, you know, co- like plausible right. deniability. Oh. But it yeah. wasn't ever intended. Like, I just imagine the signs in like tiny little print. Yeah. You well, know, it's like <laughs> the fine print.
4: We yeah. used to
7: work in mar- in uh, marketing. Uh, team marketing where you would go out street and marketing street marketing yeah. <laughs> where you'd go out and hand flyers out to people in, <laughs> that's a fancy in, way
4: of saying people handing flyers out. handing on, flyers on <laughs> out to people in, in
7: busy parts of manhattan and if the job was like um like a lower paying job and we didn't want to do it we'd just go to the location kind of hand out one or two flyers and then throw them in the garbage so <laughs> and you'd still get paid full bore so I Maybe mean, Chris would do flyering? that.
4: You know me. I would stand on the corner <laughs> until the <laughs> literal two hours was
6: over. <laughs>
7: but I think bad flyering could encapsulate it.
6: Yeah. I think bad flyering, uh, I think we have to put that on the board. Yeah, it was bad.
5: <laughs> it I, don't, was bad. I don't know what it said verbatim, but it was bad flyering. <laughs> um,
4: we also should put the roulette Act up on the board. And uh, this is again from Jallianwala Bagh Massacre, the first wave of mass struggle and its aftermath by her friend Habib. A sedition committee under an imported British justice Rolat was constituted in 1918. And this committee quickly came out with a report piecing together information on seditious activities that have previously taken place and raising alarm over them. It recommended the imposition of harsh measures such as detention without trial by provincial governments and speedy trials by special courts without right of appeal against their judgments. Two bills were passed with all the non-official Indian members voting against them. The moment the two roulette bills were published... A great feeling of indignation was aroused in the country. It was thought that these were framed to humiliate Indians in order to placate the powerful European community in India. It was left to Gandhi to harness the widespread feeling of resentment and launch an agitation on a national scale directed against the Rowlett Act. This is from Better India. Nanak Singh a literary giant and father of the punjabi novel was present at jallianwala Wallabag in the, on the 13th of april in 1919 barely 22 at the time nanak singh witnessed general reginald dyer's troops open indiscriminate fire on unarmed civilians protesting against the draconian rowlatt act and the arrest of popular freedom fighters uh, Saifuddin kichlu and dr satya Pal. he wrote Sir Rowlett came out of the blue. His bill got passed. None had a clue. And troubles came like a flood of rain. Our postcards of pain. O'Dwyer signed the terrible law. A heap of misery is all we saw. Only those butchers stood to gain. Our postcards of pain. And then it was Dyer's turn to light a match and let it burn. Fired bullets at us with such disdain. Our postcards of pain
5: kind of a nice poem but you know bad subject matter yeah to say <laughs> well, the least.
6: yeah the the british were just pushing it it was obviously this like you know they were in a tug of war and then they took it too far with the roll it act
7: yeah completely i mean the fact that they could just imprison you with any any suspicion of terror their definition of terrorism for up to two years and just hold you um it's 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 absurd
4: you know it's interesting how we're like oh they they just took it too far i mean they shouldn't have been there in the first place <laughs> um what were they doing there what, you know it it all goes back to imperialism and like the and again british exceptionalism right Yeah, Thinking-
7: and, I, and i guess like maybe maybe part of the podcast we can kind of di- make a distinction between Okay, so if the if imperialism is 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 ha- is up on the board right, uh-huh. and it's happening, right? Yeah. But like to Amanda's point, like when you sense that that it's the end of something, or that the uh, Indians want independence, you know, to come and bring more uh, strict, stringent laws against them, sort of forcing the issue in your favor. Um, you know, is there some way to sort of put that idea up on the board?
4: It's like doubling down or something.
7: Yeah.
6: You know, you know, it's over, but you're doubling down. Yeah. I we don't know. Could, we could put that. I mean, yeah, definitely. There's the bigger picture here. And then there's some of the smaller things that happened leading up to this massacre that I think we could also put on the board. Um. Just that kind of exemplifies this game of tug of war, like the maybe, you know, Gandhi. I don't think we would ever send Gandhi to jail. But <laughs> um <laughs> But I'm just saying, like, there's some interesting things in here. Also, like the attack on the missionary, Marcella. Yes. It's yeah. just like just to see how we got to this point where and then the crawling order? What the hell? That's yeah, that
4: was my very question, too.
5: I mean, obviously, um, a woman getting attacked by a violent mob, not good. Um no. And uh, I i mean, let's not good. <laughs> Nothing good no. about it. Uh, not warranted, She's not justified. She's
6: on the record, people. Sarah's yeah. <laughs> on the record here. Her feelings right. are very clear. Uh,
5: but there's clearly a lot more going on here. Um, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure what provoked the mob to do that to this particular woman that particular day um and super unfortunate um sounds like she was helped by many locals uh, she didn't die um, but because of that every man had to suffer
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah, uh, I mean, you know you
5: get you get into some to some pretty shaky ground there when you say now you have to you know do this extremely humiliating thing, Um, and if you don't, we're going to imprison you, hurt you, kill you, etc. Even if you had nothing to do with it. Right. And
6: I think Colonel, the Colonel Dyer, or General Dyer, was a sadist, because it's not like, like when this happened, you know, and you said he was, the British were horrified, they were probably feeling like any of us could be next, even though that's probably wasn't true. And instead of just like, Cracking down in like a normal way, he made them crawl, which is also like a way to humiliate them and make all, like all the Indian people feel like they they're not human. Like it's just really sick. Yes. And do
7: I, you we know, put uh, Dyer's sadism up on the board? <laughs> I think I, I think
4: yeah I, I'll probably fold that into Dyer himself. <laughs> I'm putting but, I, yeah, but I'll put
6: just for fun. I'll put Dyer sadism and yeah. his crawling order.
4: You know, I I also feel like you know there the tensions had been mounting for a long time. Like to Sarah's point of like what what happened what what brought them to attack this woman on the street right what what was going on. They had had it. They had already arrested some of their leaders for the resistance. Mm -hmm. The Roll It Act had had passed. It was...
7: A tipping point?
4: It was a tipping point, yeah. So is there anything else that we want to throw up on the board before we start knocking things off? Do we feel like we've missed anything? We got Dyer (laughs)
6: up on the board. Dyer's up there. Yeah. He's a real contender. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So
4: let's take a quick break and start knocking things off the board.
3: That's 15% off at burrow.com slash acast.
7: Okay. And just for you, uh, alarmy members out there who've been with us from the beginning, um, when, Cl- when Clayton's the producer, he puts the list of, uh, things on the board at the top of our google doc oh.
6: but amanda
7: <laughs> when she's a producer she puts it at the bottom so uh you know just a little point of interest there a fun <laughs> detail behind the scenes um, and maybe we'll cut this later and put it in a no, patreon or no. something this is
6: important for people yeah, love a true. glimpse behind the curtain are you kidding <laughs> people are salivating over this <laughs>
7: <laughs> who is to blame for the jolly and wallabog massacre World War One, British imperialism, not treating your veterans well or people well, just in general, spices, bland food, the British Raj, British exceptionalism, fundamental lack of humanity, Colonel Dwyer, oops, sorry, Colonel Dyer, bad flying, the Rowlett Act, doubling down, or Dyer's sadism and his crawling order.
4: I
5: think off the bat we could take spices off
6: right
4: yeah you know bland (laughs) food is
5: much more to blame than spices (laughs) spices have only tried to help this entire time spices i'm sorry
6: that is true but you know i have to just say i love the idea of a little tin of chai sitting in the alarmist jail just (laughs) just visually
7: it is yes just aesthetically but we can't make not for this one and the other prisoners would be
6: so happy to finally have a little bit of heat you know yeah food in the jail is really bland
1: yeah, very they're bland. very
4: excited. Yeah, but
6: not—it's the, not, not happening—not
4: this time. I think no. we can also take bland food off because this is, uh, goes beyond.
7: I think so. I think so.
4: Now, not treating your veterans well, or just your people in general well, that can fold into British imperialism. I think.
7: Hmm. <laughs> okay. Or,
4: or the British Raj, really. Yeah. But.
7: Well, do you want to fold British imperialism, the British exceptionalism, into the British Raj? Or maybe the yeah. bigger idea here is the British exceptionalism. I don't know. What do you think, Rebecca?
4: Um, I, I, My tendency is... I think I'd rather keep the British Raj up on the board. Okay. I like but, that.
5: Yeah, sort of assuming that imperialism and exceptionalism are part of that yes
4: fundamental lack of humanity that looks good to me actually
6: (laughs) yeah um
7: yeah because you know the crawling order i mean and and the the rowlet act like those are sort of rooted like or rather there is a fundamental lack of humanity with like baked into those things Yeah.
6: so should we fold the sadism and crawling order into lack of humanity or vice versa I think we fold that into the lack of humanity or into, you know, Dyer himself. Okay. Dyer's Should we just fold the fundamental lack of humanity into Dyer? You want to keep those separate? Let's keep them separate. I mean, I think, yeah, let's keep them separate for now. Doubling down
4: <laughs> or, and bad flyering.
6: <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs>
4: it was nice bad no- nice knowing you nice
6: knowing yeah you.
4: <laughs> see ya um okay so we've got the 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 act is feels like just the last straw yeah but that's
6: naughty the Rolla act was really yeah, no, really should, bad i think
4: yes i gotta
6: say i, th- I think it could get the slap
4: okay so it's in contention for the slap. World War One is suddenly not in con. It's a contributing factor,
5: right? It, yeah, but it's bigger than stuff that. It was, was there stuff before. Was yeah, <laughs> massed the heck up before that.
4: So we're left with the final four here. We've got the British Raj, fundamental lack of humanity, Colonel Dyer, and the Rollit Act. And now we've got our work cut out for us. Sarah, what are you looking at here?
5: Well, I feel like Colonel Dyer almost is a subcategory under the British Raj.
0: Um, Mm. You know,
5: he was a bad dude. Um, I would not want to have chai with him, Mm -mm. Uh, you know, living or dying. Uh, But, uh, but uh, he probably was not the only person who acted this way. Um, This just happened to be a well-documented massacre that he was responsible for being in his position of power. But I think that all goes back to the British Raj. Yeah. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Not to say everyone who was uh, in positions of power uh, over an entire and very, very large country with its own culture. Um, In fact, many, many cultures, um, you know, maybe there were some real nice folks. So Dyer, you're not getting a pass here, uh, but I think you were... Sort of a uh a result of something more sinister that um that was set up for you mm. I mean, there was
4: definitely a lot of violence um that was um, being being enacted against the uh Indian population um this was not the first
1: mm-hmm
6: Everyone is so lost in thought right now. Like for the I listeners, know. like Chris is like well, literally touching his chin. Rebecca is <laughs> just staring off into the distance. Uh,
7: well, well, it was funny because we we ripped through the first few, like we, we were cruising for a second uh, on this board. And now it really feels like there's, this is a tough final yeah. floor to kind of figure out.
4: And I'm really taking in what, Sarah's saying, you know, is it the environment that was created by the British Raj or is it the, in the individual? And how do we, can we even separate
7: those? It's a classic alarmist conundrum. It how, is. Do you blame the organization or the individual? Do you blame the concept or the organization or the individual?
4: That said, I think it takes a lot of cruelty to be the person that is ordering a a massacre, Mm. Mm -hmm. you know, Firing uh, into a
3: group of people. Like you're talking
4: tens of thousands of people who are unarmed and have nowhere to go. And it just takes a specifically kind of evil individual. Mm. What, What happened to you that this is, this is where you're at, that you're making these kinds of decisions in your life. I mean, I, I I don't know.
7: It sounds like you're leaning more towards the individual.
4: For this particular one, I feel, yeah, but and
6: maybe we do slap the British Raj. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Uh, Rebecca, it's your call. It's your show. It's your call.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
6: I mean, the rollit act, and I, I
4: wish we could also give it like a special shout out to the ro- rollit act.
7: We've um, given out other slaps before?
4: <laughs> no, I know, but and, and later,
7: <laughs>
5: <laughs> later we've slap. given.
7: A da- yeah. a dab, oh, yeah. we given give the backhand actually. Yeah. We the call backhand,
5: it, so. mm-hmm. okay. I like and a re- stern look.
7: Yes, yeah. stern oh look. Oh, I like maybe that. Maybe that's a new one. I that's
5: like nice, that. Nice, Sarah. Uh,
4: I, perhaps I could give a stern look to the fundamental fundamental lack of humanity.
5: Wow. And Everyone's- maybe it could
4: be like, you know, um you know, like in superhero movies when they have like laser eyes. <gasps> yes. Maybe that's what the sound effect it's could It's
6: one be. of and it's one of these where you point at your eyes and then you point at the person. I like I see you. Like I see. We're oh, doing
7: that. Yeah. yeah.
4: yeah. <laughs> watch yourself visualize that watch yourself (laughs) watch your back (laughs) okay Okay. so I'll call it there's a lot to call here so bear with me (laughs) fundamental lack of humanity you're getting the stern look (laughs) 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 (sighs) the British Raj you're getting the big slap watch out the roll it act here comes the backhand (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs)
3: This is too much.
4: Colonel Dyer, you're going to the Alarmist Jail. (gasps) Okay. They have a new... uh, Alarmist Jail has a new member, and I would not want to be his cellmate. No.
7: And just again, for those who like these little details, Amanda had to come up with a new highlight color (laughs) because in our Google Doc that we all share, she highlights... (laughs) The She highlights the different things, so she had to come up with it yes. like a nice lime green. You had yes. to yes. think
6: quick. you uh, had to think quick. yeah, no, I was I'm sweating profusely over here.
7: <laughs>
6: <laughs> you guys move uh, fast. You really you move fast. Yeah,
7: we you don't did play great, Amanda
6: <laughs> Sarah,
4: thank you so much for joining us today and helping us learn and understand um this terrible massacre that honestly, you know, you're it, welcome.
5: Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. this is
5: not uh easy normally on a weekday morning. Um this was enlightening. I will say uh that I had fun and I learned a lot. Oh well that's
4: good. Uh, I'm I'm happy to hear it. It's one of these things where it's like I had not heard about the Jalan Wallabag uh massacre. Um so I think it's important to, you know, for us to learn about all of these international tragedies. Um and and, and remind ourselves that this shit happened. Like, let's not forget about all these terrible things that happened um, because they can happen again.
5: Indeed.
7: I cert- Yeah, I certainly hope uh, hope not, but, you know.
6: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Chris, I thought maybe
5: you'd say something to lift this up. Ending oh, on no. a <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah,
6: end with a it dot, dot, like- dot. <laughs> Faded away
4: into the darkness.
6: You (laughs) outrazi it it go with
5: that. (laughs) Um Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me
4: In the aftermath, as reports of the Jalian Wallabag massacre spread worldwide, public sentiment toward Gandhi and India's decolonization increased, with many Indians abandoning their British loyalty to become nationalists. Colonel Dyer maintained his position and defended his actions, but after appearing before the Hunter Commission, he was forced to resign from the Indian army. Mahatma Gandhi was deeply affected by the massacre and called for complete non-cooperation with the British government and continued to lead nationwide campaigns for swaraj, or self-rule. In 1947, British rule ended, creating two independent dominions, India and Pakistan. Visit our website and let us know who you think is to blame at www.thealarmistpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at The and on Twitter at Alarmist The. You can also send us your thoughts via email to thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode
2: episode was
4: produced and engineered by Clayton Early, with fact-checking by Chris Smith, and editing by Molly Hockey. Thank you to our associate producer and researcher, Alex Paul. The Alarmist is executive produced by Rebecca Delgado-Smith and the ERIOS Network. Tune in next week. We'll be discussing Daylight Saving Time.
1: ERIOS Powered by ACAST.